Well, again, good morning. So glad that you're with us today on Easter, and I hope today is a huge blessing. It's been already been a blessing for me. I, uh, man, I just get wore out by uh, singing those songs with the worship team. I, I try to hold back uh, so that I can save my energy for the sermon, but I just can't do it, so I just let her rip, and you get what's left. Sorry. Uh, but uh, glad that you are with us this morning. Uh, we are starting a series today about deep love. I was thinking this week about Easter, and I was reminded of a uh, little boy uh, who went to church with his mom after eating way too much Easter candy. And about halfway through the service, uh, he said to his mom, Mom, I, th- I think I'm going to throw up. Worst words you can hear at church, right? And uh, she said, well, son, go to the restroom. and do- I don't want to do that because somebody might be in there. I don't want to embarrass myself. And she said, well go out the front door, go around to the back of the church. There's some bushes back there. Just throw up in a bush and come back. So the little boy got up and he walked out of the service and he was only gone a minute and he came back in and he sat down and his mom said, are you, are you feeling better? Are you, I thought you were going to get sick. He said, I did. She said, well, you didn't have time to go around to the back of the church. He goes, no, I went out to the foyer and they had a box right out there that said, uh, for the sick. <laughs> so I did my thing. So that's the reason we don't have a box that says, for the sick. Okay, if you want to give to the sick, we'll help you out. But anyway, uh, listen, we want to do this series on deep love because we want to help you have better relationships. Folks, our uh, world is untangling. Um, Our culture is untangling. Uh, The culture is being destroyed because families are being destroyed. And the reality is, folks, even the church is a family of families. And so as our families uh, become more and more chaotic, um, so does our culture. And so we think that the, the, you know, the, the hope for the future is, is God and his son, Jesus Christ, what we've sang about so much today, what we're celebrating today. Uh, but he wants to work in and through our relationships. And so we want to take the next four weeks and really focus on this. The four to- uh, sermon topics are going to be personality, communication, uh, conflict, and adaptability. Now, we realize there's more to relationships than just these four things, all right? Uh, but if we covered everything that relationships are, we'd do like a, a seven-year series, and it would just go on forever, you know? So today, we're going to talk about specifically personality. Now, I want everybody to take a pen, if you would. If you've got your arm around your wife, take that off for just a minute. Everybody get a pen, and I want you to write your name on a piece of paper there, on your bulletin or on your notes or whatever. Everybody write your name. Now I want you to put the pen into your other hand, and I want you to write your name again. Now, I know if you're a doctor here today, you go, well, they look the same. doesn't make any difference. I got that. But listen, if you're not a doctor, you probably realize your name looks a whole lot better with your dominant hand, right? Because it's, it's more natural for you. It's more natural for you. Listen, just as we have a natural bent toward writing with a certain hand, our personalities give us natural bents as to how we interact with other people. This doesn't mean that we can't choose to act differently at times, only that we have a natural bent to acting and reacting certain ways. It's interesting that although we have a desire for deep relationships, the truth is, folks, The majority of our relationships are very surface, and they're not very deep at all, even our important ones. Now, we expect some of our relationships to be surface, right? 
I mean, I, there's a young lady uh, named Kendra that works at the drive-thru at the McDonald's I go to almost every morning. And uh, that's, an, that's another story for another time. Uh, but uh, uh, I, we have a very surface relationship. She knows my name. I know her name. Uh, don't really have deep relationship with Kendra. But, folks, the problem is, for some of us, our surface relationships aren't just the people we see at McDonald's or Quick Trip. They're people that we work with. They're people in our neighborhoods. They're people in our families. They might even be the spouse you're sitting next to. We want to start today with personality because it really impacts every uh, other area of our relationships. The more we understand how God made us and how he made others, the easier it is to dive deep into our relationships and really experience this deep love that we so desperately desire. Understanding personalities is the first step to really experiencing any kind of empathy Empathy is the ability to see things from another person's perspective and to put ourselves in their shoes. Now, that doesn't mean we're always going to agree or actually come to an agreement. Now, my wife and I have many ongoing disagreements. We're never going to see eye to eye on. For instance, uh, she insists that the bed be made every day. Okay? And I suppose that's because uh, if our house catches on fire and firemen have to rush into our bedroom, they'll see that the bed is made. I say, what's the point? I'm just going to mess it up that night anyway. First thing I'm going to do is walk to the bed and tear back the covers. Why in the world should I pull them up? That's just wasted energy. Now listen, we've discussed this many times. We are never going to see eye to eye on this issue. She is never going to convince me that making the bed is a good idea. And I'm never going to convince her that it's not. Now, you remember the old saying, happy, happy wife, happy life. I just make the bed, Okay. Doesn't mean, doesn't mean I understand how she thinks, doesn't mean I agree with her, doesn't even mean that I think she has a great point. It just means that because I love her, I'm going to do these things. So our personalities drive us to differences sometimes. You know, we generally talk about the differences. By the way, I'm not going to say anything about my wife that I didn't say in the first service, just so you know. She sat right here in the first service. I wish her happy anniversary. We've been married 24 years today. I wish her happy anniversary. <laughs> Thank you, but honestly, you should applaud for her, not me, okay? <laughs> Those of you who know her know that that's tr the, the truth. So we generally talk about the differences in personalities, but let's start today by looking at some things that are the same about all of our personalities, and then we'll talk for just a few minutes about the differences. First, I want you to see that personalities can be seen. Now listen, personalities can't be viewed on an x-ray like uh, a bad knee or a bad back, but they are seen in our behavior, we can determine something about a person's temperament by the way that they buy things. Some of you will carefully research all the data and you'll read consumer re reports before you buy hardly anything, right? I know some of you are already looking at your spouse and <laughs> he's talking about you, you know. Okay? You, you get this. Uh, or some of us just simply buy on impulse without knowing the details and we get what we get and we're fine with that. And we can understand a lot about a person just by being a good observer, Look what Jesus said about figuring out what a person is like. In Matthew 12, 11, he says this. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. Now, while we cannot see a person's personality, like their hair color or their height, which are pretty obvious, we certainly can tell a lot about a person by just observing their behavior. 
You could spend two minutes in a room full of people and, and already know who some of the introverts are, who some of the extroverts are, uh, who's always trying to be funny in the life of the party. I mean, you can see those things really in about two minutes. In fact, I like, uh, when I'm traveling, I love to just sit at the airport and watch people. I mean, it's funny. It is just great stuff. And, and you can observe just a few things. If you travel with a family, you can observe a lot about that family in a flight, even a short flight to St. Louis, you can observe how they discipline their kids. You can observe how they interact with each other. You can observe a lot of things about people just in a short period of time. One of my favorite Yogi Berra sayings, Yogi Berra, not Yogi Bear, a Yogi Berra saying is this. He said this. He was, he was a master for pointing out the obvious. He said, you can certainly learn a lot. You can certainly observe a lot by watching. Right, yeah, of course you can, okay? In fact, sometimes the people who we spend most of our time around can describe what we're like even more than we can ourselves. You ever think about that? I mean, we all have this uh, self uh, view of who we are. But if I really want to know how people see me, I should ask my wife and say, sweetheart, don't spare my feelings. Tell me the truth. How do people see me? She'll tell me, and your spouse will tell you. See, folks, we, we, we sometimes don't even see who we are, but everybody else sees us. We should really study not only everybody else, but also ourselves. We also see that personalities are God-given. Now, we don't choose our personalities. They're part of God's design for us, God's plan for us. The reality is, by the time we're teenagers, our personalities don't really change that much for the rest of our lives. And I've spent a lot of time in corporate America. I've been DISC and Myers-Briggs facilitator certified for decades. I've taken both personality assessments several times. And they, all, they come out almost exactly the same way and have for 30 years. I, I mean, my personality hasn't changed. That doesn't mean that we can't learn to adapt our personalities and modify our behavior. But it does mean that the things that come naturally now will probably always be a part of who we are. And we believe that God has a plan and design for everybody. And how our personality operates is really one of the big factors. Look, God has made us this way. Look what the Bible says in Psalm 139, 14. King David says this, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works for my soul knows it very well. You see, our personality is part of God's design for us, folks. He has wonderfully made us and our personality. It's just part of a package deal of who we are. So it's important that we, we, not, we just uh, really embrace who God made us to be. Anytime we spend saying, man, I wish I was that guy. I wish I was more like them. I wish, I, was, I wish my personality was more like that person or that person. Folks, that's just wasted energy. What you'll see is when you really begin to act like them, it's going to be, feel unnatural for you. Because what feels the most natural is for you to be you. Now, before you go down too far that, on that road, let's talk about a couple of other things. First of all, personalities are predictable. How many times have you heard, man, I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to do that. Of course, that's because our behavior is predictable because our personalities drive them. Probably the only group that rivals hearing this more than couples are siblings. And, and twins are notorious for this. Now, we have certain expectations of people's behavior because we follow these personality patterns. Now, predictability can be a very good thing because it provides security and comfort in a relationship. I know how my wife is going to act in certain uh, times and certain situations. 
But if we always act in predictable ways without any variation of the script, we can find our relationships in a rut where we barely even notice each other. In fact, folks, it's more than a few families that I have counseled who come to me after their last child has graduated high school and says, I am married to a stranger. I don't even know this person. We've, we've, we've been so predictable. We've been so uh, kind of boring in our relationship for years and years and years, focusing on the kids and not each other. And now that last kid is gone. And they run to divorce court because they don't know who each other is. That's a big mistake, folks. But understanding your personality and your spouse's personality allows us to begin to understand how we can better get along by taking into account the different ways we interpret and experience situations. Let me give you another example. When my wife and I are uh, struggling with paperwork or bills or whatever, and we're doing all that kind of stuff, and I hate that kind of stuff, but I know it has to be done at the function in society. I got that, but I don't like it, okay? But, but when we're struggling, uh, maybe we've got some extra doctor bills or whatever, we're struggling to pay things on time or whatever, um, uh, an interesting thing happens. An interesting dynamic happens in our family. My wife will be upset because I'm not upset. Now think about that for a minute. So here's what happens. See, I'm just calm, cool, and collected. I'm like, hey, you know, if getting upset about this would pay the bills faster, I'd be all upset. I'd be in a frenzy. But it doesn't change anything. So I'm just going to pray and see if God can help us out. I work hard. She works hard. God's in control. I, okay. But what's funny is, because I have kind of a laid-back attitude, she gets all upset. It's like, well, you don't even care. Well, yeah, I care. But what does the frenzy do? But see, her personality is like, I want to be in a frenzy because that makes me feel like I'm doing something and I'm helping. And I'm like, what's the point? But see, folks, all this is is a personality difference. It's not that she's right and I'm wrong or I'm right and she's wrong. We're just different. But folks, we're, we're somewhat predictable in the way that we handle situations. Also, personalities have strong and weak points. They have good and bad parts of them. To be in kind of a non-stressed state of life, we need to have our personality needs satisfied. For instance, if you crave structure and details and all that stuff, beginning when you begin a big project, if you don't have a sufficient plan, and that can really stress you out, right? For us other non-planner detail people, sitting around for hours planning and not accomplishing anything is the biggest waste of time and drives us crazy. Now, here's something interesting. I think we took a poll in this room and said, who in here agrees uh, intellectually that an appropriate amount of planning is always wise? I'll bet 100% of the people would say, of course that's wise. But where we would disagree is how long that is. Okay? I might think it's five minutes. You might think it's five days. Depends on how big the project is. But see, when we understand each other, folks, when we understand our personalities and how they're driven, we're able to work with each other and see things from another point of view. In fact, our greatest strengths can become our biggest weaknesses. Now, I want to say something very important at this point, really critical. Personality is never an excuse to dismiss bad behavior, ever. What I mean by that is I've counseled numerous couples who point to their bad behavior and say, hey, that's just how I am can't be changed. Hey, I yell and curse at my wife every single day, and I do that because that's how God made me. That's just who I am. That's ridiculous, folks. That is ridiculous. 
That's not personality. That's just justification for bad and sinful behavior. Okay? Don't ever use that. That's a cop-out. Look what the Bible says in Galatians chapter 5, starting with verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife. We're all pretty, pretty much in agreement with those things. Jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. You see, in this passage, Paul is teaching us that we have one set of behaviors that are attributed to being fleshly and sinful and another set of behaviors that are attributed to being spiritual. This is not a result of our personality, but our spiritual condition. You see, without a relationship with the risen Savior, Jesus Christ, of whom we're celebrating today, our personalities combined with our spiritual condition lead us to all sorts of bad behavior. Now listen, in my personality, I'm a reactor. I've got an opinion about almost everything in a moment. You can say, hey, I'm looking at two cars. One's white, one's black. Take the black one. Okay? That's, that's how my mind works. That's how my personality is. Now that can come off really rude. And, 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 and if I leave my flesh, my sinfulness, to that part of my personality, I can snap at people all the time. Well, that's wrong. That's a stupid idea. That's terrible. Why'd you think that? That's dumb. Okay? I'm a jerk. Now, if it, that same exact characteristic under the Spirit's control, something pops into my mind like this, and I go, hey, that's a great idea. You know, another way to look at that might be to think about this. And all of a sudden, I'm no longer a jerk. Not because my personality has changed, but my spiritual condition has changed our, our, our personalities controlled by the Spirit of God, folks, produce a whole other set of behaviors and thinking. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians 12. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak... Then I am strong. Folks, in this passage, Paul tells us that with Christ as our master, even in our humanness, even in our, our personality weaknesses, God can do good through us because of Christ. So while our personalities have good and bad points, and the more extreme they are, the more our behavior affects those around us, Christ can change us, folks, which leads us to number five. Personalities can be improved. Now, I know I just spent a few moments at the beginning saying your personalities don't change. I didn't say personalities can change, so they can be improved. While our basic personality traits will never change, our ability to adapt and control how they exhibit themselves can be mastered to some degree. 
For instance, if you know you have a tendency to be rather opinionated like me and uninhibited about sharing your opinions, you can certainly learn to control these tendencies, be much less reactive, be much more, uh, have much more grace and patience for others. So blaming any bad behavior or, uh, or personality trait for your complicated relationships, by the way, is, is an excuse. It's, it's, not, it's not valid, folks. For you to say, I'm having problems with my husband, I'm having problems with my wife, I'm having problems with my kids because of my personality, because of how God made me, that is bogus. It's our bad behavior coming from our poor spiritual condition that damages our relationships. In fact, let me share with you the very best way to improve your personality and control your behavior that goes with it. I mentioned in the last point that Christ can change us, even the bad parts of our personality and our humanness or our sinfulness. Look what the Bible says in Romans 12 too. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Folks, Jesus can change your reality. He can, he can mold your personality, not change it and give you a new personality, but he can learn, he can teach you from the inside out how to, to master this personality, how to rein it in, how to use it for good instead of evil. Be like, we're superheroes, you know? He's you got this great power, use it for good and not evil. God can do that for you. Look, what we're celebrating today is incredible. A man came to this earth, Jesus Christ, he lived a perfect life, and he died on the cross to pay for our sins. Now, listen, that's not a debatable fact, folks. If you look at, at the evidence, if you look at the evidence for that, um, that is, is just not debatable, okay? It is overwhelming that a man named Jesus lived on this planet, and that he lived at the time he lived, and that he was crucified uh, on the cross. That part's not debatable, now, the part that people don't believe, some do and some don't, is the fact that three days later he rose again. Now, folks, I think the evidence is incredibly overwhelming for that when you really look at it. Can somebody reach up and turn that speaker off for me, please? That's distracting, and I'm not going to let Satan distract you all. I can yell loud enough that you can hear me with or without that thing. Thank you. Listen, folks, it's really interesting that I begin to share the gospel and this huge distraction comes up. Now, I don't, I don't think that there's a, uh, I don't think there's a demon behind every, every you know, nail I drive over and get a flat tire. But, but I, think, I think God wants to speak to some people in here. Folks, your relationships will never get better until you give God control of who you are. They just won't. You can't do it without him. Can you get by Probably. Some do, some don't. But folks, I'm telling you, with Jesus transforming your mind, transforming your mind, transforming the way you think, transforming the way you act and react, listen, you've got a whole lot better chance to having a great relationship. And he wants us to have good relationships. Listen, he invented them. You ever thought about that? I mean, God invented the, the idea of two people relating to one another. So he knows how they work. So we've looked at five similarities, five ways that personalities are alike. They can be seen, they're God-given, they're predictable, they have some good and bad points, and they can be improved especially, especially, especially with God's help. 
But folks, the only way that happens is if you recognize that Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins, and you put your faith and trust in that fact and that fact alone to save you. And, and there's 50 different theological you know, phrases for that. Being saved, being born again, knowing Jesus, giving your life to God, all those things are, are, are really wrapped around this one idea of seeing the cross, seeing Jesus die on the cross and realizing that he's doing that to pay for your sins and realizing you can't do anything to fix your life and so I give my life to him because he's already perfected it. Now, let's talk for just a few more minutes about how our lives are different. Uh, one of the things that we're going to offer you during this time, and Pastor Derek's going to come and explain a little more, uh, but we want to offer you the ability to take uh, an online assessment for your relationship. And, and this is a really great assessment. Uh, I've been doing prepare and enrich assessments for years. This is a great assessment because it also comes with an action plan on how to actually make your lives and your relationships better. Okay, so let's talk about a couple of different differences. Most everybody in this room is either task-oriented or people-oriented. In the Nordstrom Home Office in Seattle, there's a huge sign that says, the only difference between stores is the way they treat their customers. Now, if you've shopped there, you know exactly what that means. At Nordstrom's, they kind of you know, treat you like a royalty, you know? They're focused on customers. But what you don't know and what you don't see is there's another whole group of people behind the scenes that are focused on merchandise and displays and lighting and profit margins and all that stuff. They're not the people that are out front. They're the people in the back. Both groups are necessary for the company to be successful. Now, the question is, which group are you in? Are you more task-oriented or are you more people-oriented? This assessment will help you determine that. Project-oriented people, they get things done. They have to-do lists. In fact, their to-do lists probably irritate a lot of other people who don't have to-do lists. Okay? They stay on task. They're very competitive. They just accomplish a lot. They have measurable objectives that they're always measuring themselves to. People-oriented people, they value relationships over productivity. They probably get less done, but they're considered really friendly people. They're flexible, they adapt easily, they're usually good communicators, and they love being a team player, not a loner. Now listen, neither way is better, they're just different. Neither way is better. We have a tendency in our culture to say, here's two things that are different, so one has to be better than the other. No, no, no. They're equally as good. Listen, if Nordstrom only had the people from the back office doing all that stuff, they'd be really incredibly rude to their customers. But if they just had a lot of nice people out front that didn't know how much anything costs, it'd be a disaster. Takes both to make it work. The other thing that this will help you to assess is whether you're fast paced or slow paced. You all have heard the story of the tortoise and the hare. Uh, this rabbit and, and, and turtle decide to race, and so they take off. The, you know, the rabbit just takes off like crazy. Turtle starts one step at a time. Rabbit gets so far ahead, he takes a little nap, fun in the sun. Turtle walks right by him, gets to the finish line first. Now, that doesn't mean that slow-paced people will accomplish more, but it certainly it gives us a, a little bit of a, a story to say, who do you identify most with? Do you identify most with the, with the hare or with the tortoise? Fast-paced people, they live with urgency. Others are amazed at how much they can get done with so little time. Rest and sleep are kind of a waste to them. Life is full of busyness, whether they get anything done or not. It's kind of debatable sometimes, but they're really busy. They usually have appointments back to back to back to back to back. They're busy people. Now, slower-paced people, they take their time, pace themselves. They're in no big hurry. 
They believe slow and steady wins the race. Now, this can be seen in my home most uh, vividly when we go shopping. Because my wife will make a list of 17 items that we're to get. And I like to go with her sometimes because another thing I don't understand, she just likes it when I follow her around the store. I, I don't, she pushes the basket, doesn't want me pushing the basket. She pushes the basket, she goes to the things, I just follow her around. She, but she likes it, so I do it. Okay. But we go and it takes us like three and a half hours for 17 items. I mean, we're there to have a relationship with the grocery store. <laughs> now, my preference would be, honey, stay in the car. I'll be right back. I go, boom, 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 boom. I've got all 15 items. Oh, yeah, I did say 17, didn't I? Well, I missed two, but I'm still quick. <laughs> See, we're, we're like that. In fact, my wife, early on in our relationship, she, in fact, uh, her and I are both pretty balanced, task-oriented to people-oriented, but when it comes to faster and slower paced, I'm at the very far end of this one, and she's at the very far end of that one. I mean, total opposites. She described our relationship when we were about, been married about a year. She said, I, I picture in my mind this little girl with this huge helium balloon. She said, I'm the little girl and you're the balloon. Well, is that because I'm full of hot air? She said, no, that's not it. She said, because... because by myself, I would just stand here, but because of you, I kind of get pulled along to doing things I would never do without you. And she says, I keep you grounded. I keep you from floating away. <laughs> uh, that was a great word picture, folks. We are absolutely opposites, but you know what? After 24 years, we've learned to appreciate each other's differences. She, she, she is a huge help to me, and I think I'm a huge help to her in some ways. So, folks, one of the things we want to do through this, this four-week series is help you appreciate the differences and embrace them. Learn from them. Let God change your relationships. Now, we've only scratched the surface today in this time, and we're out of time. But understanding how each other's personality is wired will give us the ability to have empathy with each other and really balance out our relationships. There's three things you can do this week if you want to begin experiencing deep love in your relationships, especially your marriage or your engagement, okay? I'm going to do the Dave Letterman thing and go backwards. Number three, take the online assessment that also comes with an action plan. Pastor Derek's going to share with you how you can do that. Two, join a community group where we can discuss our assessments and how to use them to our relationship benefit. Now, when I say discuss our, our, our assessments, uh, I want you to understand uh, nobody can see your answers to your assessment. Those are private. Only you can see them. The church, the pastors, we will get an overall score. Like if 80% of the people in our church say the finances are the biggest problem, we'll see like there's 80%. We won't know who they are, but we'll see the totals of everything. But your assessment is incredibly private to you. And so even if you uh, join a community group, what you discuss and what you don't discuss is totally and completely up to you. And then the number one way, folks, is stop waiting Stop waiting. Give your life to Jesus today. Do not leave this place trying to hold your relationships together any longer by yourself. Folks, that's going to wind up in a disaster. Let God help you. He wants to. Let Jesus really have control of your life. He wants to. And by the way, you're smart to let him control it because he does a better job than we do. 
Give your life to him. And if you don't know exactly how to do that, folks, it's just so easy. I can explain it here in 30 seconds. All you have to do is say, Father, God, I, I, I know that you love me. I, I know that I'm a sinner. I know I can't do anything about my sin. I, I give my life to you. I accept what Jesus did on the cross to pay for my sins, and I give my life to you. Please come into my life. Folks, if you really meant that, there's no magic in the words. It's not some hocus-pocus thing. But if you really believe that and mean that in your heart, even a simple prayer like that can change not only your eternity, but your here and now, right now. If you need help with that, on the back of that connection card, there's a couple of boxes you can check, and we will help you with that. We will help you on your journey to connect with God and his son, Jesus Christ. Folks, that's what the world is celebrating today. The fact that Jesus rose from the dead, let him help you with your relationship. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your mercy and your grace. God, we, we don't deserve to even know you, but you have blessed us so much. God, help us. Help us to be better people. Help me be a better husband, a better father and grandfather. God, help us as we go through this series to just have better relationships. Help us to give our lives more completely to you so that you can transform us from the inside out. And then God, give us the understanding it takes to really be different. Father, we love you. We thank you for the resurrected son, your resurrected son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the power that he has and he's willing to give to us because of his love. God, we are so, so blessed, so blessed by you. Help us live lives of thankfulness and gratefulness for what you have done for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.